Amen. We'll open your Bibles up to 2 Kings. Second, it's an honor to be uh, here. Um, man, thank you so much, Pastor, for inviting me and just getting into this, uh, into evangelism. And uh, it's exciting and also uh, a very fearful thing to be stepping into this. Our country has a great need. And uh, I say our country, I'm dual citizen. Uh, I'm both American and Canadian. Um, a little quick, short uh, backstory, uh, so you know kind of where I'm coming from, uh, is that I was uh, raised on the mission field. I was born in Iowa, and when I was five years old, my folks moved to the mission field of England, and where my dad helped troubled youth, and that was his ministry over in England for eight years. Uh, he helped um, young kids that were all tapped out on drugs and alcohol, and that's what, that's what I was raised in. That's what I was around all my life growing up, and and there's a great need for that in the UK. And, and um, when I was 13 years old, my dad changed mission fields to Prince Edward Island, Canada. And so from there, we went and uh, he started a church there in Prince Edward Island, Canada. And from uh, at that place, I met my beautiful wife, uh, Danielle. I went to Golden Plains Bible Baptist Institute in uh, Manitoba, Canada, and uh, and so from there I moved down. Uh, Bubba or um, Randy Taylor Jr. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know who that is. I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> but Bubba, Bubba came and he he recruited me and uh, said, "Hey, uh, you look like crazy enough uh, material. Why don't you come on down, uh, help at the camp?" And so he kind of recruited me, and so. Uh, here I am. So <laughs> that's, a, that's the short, uh, to the point, uh, testimony. But I've been raised in church or on the mission field my entire life. And, and uh, I have a, a great burden for, for this country. It is my, my native country. When I, was in, when I was in England, people called us the Americans. When we were in Canada, people called us the Americans. When I moved to America, they called me Canadian. So you know, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just thankful so much for this church, uh, uh, Faith Baptist Church, just being a beacon here uh, in this in this world. Um, I should probably uh, turn there myself. Uh, yeah, turn to First Kings or Second Kings. Charles, uh, sorry, Second Kings, chapter number six. We're gonna look into a, perhaps a familiar story for some. Um, we're just gonna go through this uh, this story. It's a Fairly lengthy story, but man, it has a truth. I was praying, asking God before I came down here, man, how are we going to um, start a, a revival for soul winning? A soul winning revival. That's, uh, I was saying that's almost like a made up thing. I mean, I wouldn't, pass, I wouldn't pass. I've never heard of a soul winning conference before in my life. And I was like, man, that is, uh, uh, that is something that really needs to be take to the wind. And because we hear a missions conference, but that's... <laughs> That's kind of like saying to other people, you know what, y'all need to, y'all need to go and tell the gospel, but soul winning puts it personal. It makes it, uh, makes it where we have to say, you know what, I need to go and tell the gospel, and I, I appreciate it. Um, 2 Kings chapter number 6 and verse number 24 is what we're going to read here, and then we're going to jump ahead to 7 verse number Eight, and we're going to read two verses over there, and then we're going to pray. We're going to get into the message here this morning. It says this 
In uh, 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse number 24, it says, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. Turn over to uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 8. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went unto one tent, and did eat and drink, and carried thin silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. And they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so for how thorough it is. God, I pray that you now help me um, to preach this message that you have laid on my heart. Lord, I pray for these people. God, that you would just uh, help them to see the important message that is here. God, that we would get a burden for lost souls like we've never had it before. Lord, Lord, that we'd see them everywhere we go. Lord, we couldn't turn our eyes away from them. Lord, to see the great need of salvation in people's lives. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Hide me behind the cross. Wash me in your precious blood. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here the Bible says, um, it says in verse number 24 of chapter 6, it says, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. Here we have this uh, king. He decided that he was going to destroy the children of Israel in the past. And what happened? He went in there and, and of course, Elisha, um, he uh, had them go. They all went blind. And so he led them them away and then he fed them and then they scattered. They're like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to destroy these people. So they came back and they decided we're going to destroy Samaria. And so uh, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. Now, um, in this city, there's a, um, uh, this whole place, there's a man of God is in there, there's a king, there's, there's a whole bunch of people in this, and they besieged it. I mean, they, they uh, put a watch around it, nobody could go in and out, and, uh, and they would slay anyone that did. So what happens is shortly after you do that, things start running out. And so uh, soon the water supply got shortened and shortened, and soon food supply got shortened and shortened, and soon they were eating uh, shoe leather. And, uh, uh, you know, I have eaten that in the past, and it can be quite tasty. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, put my foot in my mouth, but these literally people, they were literally uh, putting their foot in the mouth. They were eating. They ate up everything. Like, they, they ate, uh, and they began to consume everything that was possibly edible uh, that was in that entire city. And then, uh, and then things got worse because uh, uh, the siege they were, was still in place. We're going to read down through, this, uh, uh, through these few verses. The Bible says in verse number 25, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. That means that a donkey's head... The head of donkey. There's not a whole lot of chewables on that. Uh, But the head was sold for four score 
pieces of silver. That's 80 pieces of silver. Uh, so I mean, if you had a whole bunch of money, you could get a donkey's head and you could eat, eat chew on that for a while. Now I'm going to tell you what, um, I just killed a horse yesterday. Um, uh, we had a neighboring uh, family right before I was, I was going to, I was he- got up early. I was going to head out. I got a call and a lady that helps at the camp, Miss Ina Hickman, she called me up. She said, uh, my horse fell down and uh, it's hurt. So uh, me and my good self, I quickly grabbed my gun, and uh, then I uh, jumped into the vehicle, went down to her little farm, and her horse had fallen in the night and had hit her head off of something and, uh, and popped an eyeball out. And so anyway, so I went up, and, and uh, after convincing her, it's probably the best thing because that's probably not going to heal up really nice. Uh, then I, I popped it in the head, and uh, I did not want to eat it. Nothing, nothing about me wanting to eat that head. But you know what? That was a horse's head. That was probably worth like a whole lot more at this point. But you realize that it became desperation, more and more and more desperation in this city where they're eating the head of a donkey, a head of an ass. And it was, I mean, that's what they're eating. And not only that, it gets worse. It gets worse than that. It's, look in verse number 25, and it says, In the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung... For five pieces of silver. So not only were they eating a donkey's head, they were also eating dove's dung. Um, now I was raised on a farm when I was in Prince Edward Island. We had a what wouldn't be known as a hobby farm, you know, three hundred chickens and uh, ten or twenty pigs or something like that, you know, and just it always varied. A couple cows. Etc. That I, I have never desired to eat dove's dung. But you know what? They were so desperate. They were so desperate that they ate dove's dung. Now I know this is sick. Okay, this is a little bit on the disgusting side. But I want to show you how desperate these people were. They were desperate, absolutely. Uh, where they're they're uh, in this state of survival and just trying to eat everything they possibly can because there's nothing else left. So much depravity. Verse 26. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor? Out of the wine press? And he just kind of like makes a light of it. He's like, oh, if God can't help you, I ain't going to help you. Ain't no way. What? What? Out of the barn floor? In other words, I'm sure that the barn floor was swept clean. They ate the dust from the barn floor. They probably even shaved the floor a little bit. I mean, I mean it was done. Wine press, completely. There was nothing left. And... And verse number 28, and the king said unto her, what aileth thee? And so he kind of like gives up and he says, all right, what, what aileth thee? And she answered, uh, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. Now, now I have six sons. And I would, it's unthinkable 
to think that someone could lower themselves that far to make an agreement. The point that I want to make by this is that it's depravity. It's sin sick. It's about as low as you can get. And we are living in a world that has given up moral after moral after moral to the point that they're eating up everything that Hollywood has to offer. Every piece of garbage that Hollywood has to offer, they lick it up. And in fact, the very dung, the very scum of everything, they're willing to take it into their body. To me, that's, that's uh, all the, this, the nasty poisons of this world. They're willing to take it into the body. And you know what? Even it seems now they've decided, why don't, I'll tell you what, why don't we kill your son today and we'll, we'll eat him. And then tomorrow we'll eat my son. And they made this pact. The transaction happened. Verse number 29. And so we boiled my son and did eat him. And he said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And this is why she was mad. She wasn't mad at the fact that she had eaten her son. She was mad at the fact that this lady had hid her son. And so she wanted the king to probably just say, all right, you, give her your son. I don't know what he wanted. And you know what? And the king was just, just, just tore him up inside. And verse 30, it says, and it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall and the people looked, and behold, he, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. I want to see this, this picture. If I could paint this picture of these two people quarreling over who's going to eat whose son. And, and the king, he's in such distraught, like he's over the people. And, and you know what? That's like this world. They try to solve their problems within themselves. And, and it seems they, they fight with each other. And you know what? They look up to the leaders of this world. They don't look to God. They decide to look up to the leaders. And, and the leader, you know, he, he rips his clothes in, in anguish about this terrible, he can't do anything about it. And he rips his clothes. And you know what? Underneath, he has sackcloth underneath. That means underneath the veneer, the nice clothes that he has on, just the uh, this uh, nice outward veneer on the inside is just is sackcloth. He, he doesn't know what to do. He's, he's trying to put on a front like he knows what he's doing, but he has no idea. And because he doesn't have God, he has no, he has no, uh, he has no authority in his life. He doesn't have God. He doesn't have the answers to this terrible, this, this, this terrible thing that's happening in a city. And, um, and so here he just, he just rips his clothes. And, man, and then people see right through it, and they see the sackcloth. We're going we're gonna to get to the application a, a little later. Look at verse number 31. It says, And then he said, God do so, and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphath, shall stand on him this day. You know what he did? Oh, man, it is so perfect. He blamed God. He blamed the man of God. So 
You know what? I want you to see this, apply this to our lives. You realize that there's a, there's a city, there's a nation out there that has turned their back on God. They have nothing to do with God. And they try to rule without God. They try to take God out of every single scenario. And they, they tear him out of every single stronghold. And they break him down. And then, when trouble comes in their life, they say, well, that's an act of God. Um, hurricane, well, that's an act of God. They blame God. Uh, and and <laughs> every single time, it, 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 not only in this country, but also, but also in Canada, uh, they just had that big uh, hurricane. It hit, hit uh, Canada's coast, and you know what they called it? Oh, that's an act of God. And so that's what people do that don't know God, don't know Him as a personal Lord and Savior. They just, they just try to blame it on the man of God and blame it, blame it on the people of God and blame it on God. Verse number 32 says this, But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said unto the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him and said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Again, he just poured it, just pretended like it wasn't his problem. He just blamed God for everything. And then it says this, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. You know what? Do you know what? We we are living in this sin-sick world where right is called wrong and wrong is right. And it seems like everything has been twisted upside down and distorted. And where things were once righteous, now they call them evil. And you know what? And whenever something happens, they blame God for the things that, that they have done in their lives and the things that they've taken God out. Then they say, oh, this is corrupt. And so then they blame God for that. And they, they wonder why this whole thing is happening. And you know what? This is just like this world that we presently live in. Uh, it's just a, a perfect picture of Samaria. We live in this place where, where it's so sin is so rank and so... Um, uh, out there. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I've talked to uh, my grandpa who, who has seen generations pass, and he, he's just mind-blown by the amount of wickedness that keeps progressing on and on and on and on, um, where, uh, where they wouldn't even speak of certain things like homosexuality. They wouldn't even speak of it. And now it's, it's just uh, lambasted everywhere, all over internet and all over TV. And it's just, and more and more and more and more wickedness is out there. Man, we live in a, a terrible state. And that's, that's the depravity. That's the depravity. But you know what? We're not defeated in that. We're not defeated. And this is what the man of God says, listen. He's like, tell you what, by this time tomorrow, 
you'll have so much food that you'll be giving a measure, I said it, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. Now, a shekel, and in England, a shekel is 13 uh, cents. Um, I've heard here a shekel is about 65 cents in those Bible times. And so uh, they're like a shekel. So a shekel would buy you um, about, uh, uh, about four uh, pecks or, or eight bushels of fine flour. So if you, I'm just trying to convert it over. So that would be about four kilometers, um, <laughs> four kilometers and, um, I don't know, three metric pounds. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's a whole bunch, it's a whole bunch of, of, of fl- fine flour. He's like, by this time tomorrow, uh, I'll tell you what, you're going to have so much, you won't even know what to do with it. And uh, this guy's mocking. He's like, if the windows of heaven opened, he's like, like slapping the man of God on the face. He's like, if the windows of heaven were opened, this could not happen. Um, uh, and that's because he's like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, they just were boiling children here today. Um, and now you're saying that tomorrow uh, we're going to be eaten to our hearts content. There'll be basically nothing holding us back. That's how much that we're going to have. That much abundance. And, uh, and Elijah looks at him. He's like, yeah, you know what? He's like, because of your unbelief, you're going to see it with your own eyes. But you're not going to taste thereof. And so, then I'm going to skip down to these lepers. Verse 3 says this. And there were four lepers men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord hath made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they arose and fled into the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in into one tent and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also and went and hid it. You know what this is a perfect picture of? This is a perfect picture of Christians, people that have received Christ. You know what? Um, I'm so thankful that 
I had a, an old, old preacher. He stood up and he preached on, on, uh, he preached on hell and he made it hot and real to me. And when I was five years old, I realized I was a sinner on my way to a devil's hell because of my sin that I had committed in my body. And I came forward and I bowed at an old-fashioned altar and I began to weep and cry out to God, please save me. And I didn't know how to do it all, but you know, my dad came down, he wrapped his old, uh, arm around me, took his old-fashioned Bible, stained with, stained with, with tears and with sweat and with finger marks and print, printed pieces of paper and, and, and pencil marks and pen marks, so used. And he opened that old black Bible and he said, John, why are you here? And I said, Daddy, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell, Daddy. And so he said, John, you don't have to go to hell because your sin was paid by Jesus Christ. And I, I realized I was a sinner on my way to a devil's hell. And you know what? He took away that sin from my life and he gave me a new life. And that's called salvation, bless God. That's what we're talking about. And you know what? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know what? That's just like these four lepers. They were lost and undone. You know what? They said, listen, we can't go in the city and we can't go out of the city. We can't stay here. We're going to die. We will die anyway. And you know what? That You need to come to a place in your life that you realize, you know, I'm going to die and go to a devil's hell one way or the other because I am nothing and I am full of sin just like those lepers men realizes they are full of that sin-sick leprosy. And you know what? That's a perfect picture of how God uh, said, you know what? There's a way. And you know what? They went out and they, they found a way to beat this. And you know what? That is a perfect picture of salvation. We have salvation. Uh, God made it completely completely, completely perfect in his word. You know, he did it. He died on the cross to save us from this devil's hell. He saved us to take us to heaven forever. And do you know what now we have to do? We have to tell other people about it. We have this good news and it's all wrapped up inside us. And you know what? We're sitting in this church just like those people sitting in those tents and they're eating and they're like gorging themselves and stuffing new garments around themselves and, and packing it with gold and like, let's go hide it. And so they go and hide and God keeps giving them more and they, they said, you know what, we can't hold it back. Let's go get some more. And so they go back in and they pile up some more and God gives them more and more and they go and they hide that. And you know what? They're like, what are we going to do with all this goodness? And look what they say here. They're like in verse 9, they say, and then they said one to another, we do not well this day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. How many people listen? You have the goodness of God poured on your life over and over and over again and you realize how good God has been to us. He's better than anyone has ever been to you. He's given you over and over and over and He's given you eternal life and He's given you so many blessings that we don't even deserve in this life. We have all this good news and we're going to hold it to ourselves. We're not going to tell others about this. Listen, there's a city out there that is eating their children. There's a city out there that's eating the head of a donkey. They're eating the very dung from doves. That's what they're feeding on. And we have the good news. We must go and tell them. We must go and tell them. And they're like, we do not good. They're sitting there gorging with all their might. 
And they're like filling up. And my like, man, this is good. Check out this beautiful garment I got on. I'm ready. I'm set. Hey, hey, check out this. I've got, I've got some great money here. Check out the um, gold, man. I mean, these guys were uh, absolutely poor. Leprosy is a, is, a, is a disease of the poor people because they have no means of, of getting it uh, fixed. And you know what? That's just like us, man. Man, someone, someone told you about this once. Someone took the time to tell you that you're lost and on your way to a devil's hell. And that there was only one way, only one way out. And that is Jesus Christ. There's only one way. We have the good news. It's like a room full of lepers who's been healed, who have the blessings of God upon their life. And if you've never had that in your life, how much you're missing. You're basically in a spiritual, in a spiritual besieged city, eating the very dung of doves. That's how, how sin sick you are, and you're so close. Oh man, if you're not saved and you're in this in this building here, man. Man, how much you're missing. You know, it reminds me of that, that verse in Isaiah. That, no, it's Ecclesiastes that says, And I saw the wicked who were buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy. <laughs> That's what it's like. It's like, you, he says, I've seen the wicked who were buried who would come and gone from the place of the holy, you have all the goods and you're still in your sin. That doesn't even make sense. And the hypocrites, it doesn't make sense in my head how that you could could have all the goodness of God and hear it time and time and time again and just walk away. Man, if you're not saved here tonight and you're playing a game, shame on you. You have the goods in in your very grasp. And in fact, you're feeding on the fringe, but man, you should get all in. Man, it's great to serve a God uh, who loves you with all his might, who sent his only son to die for your place on the cross. It wasn't, it wasn't anyone else's place on the cross. When he nailed, when he was nailed to that cross, listen, it was empty. Uh, it was, it was made for Barabbas. And that's a picture of you and me. And you know what? You know what? Jesus Christ took his place. And that's just like Jesus Christ took your place. He took your place on Calvary. You know what? We have the good news. We have the good news. And yet, we will feed in a tent. As a city spiritually eats their children. Because they have no answers. There's one answer. And it's Jesus Christ. And you must, listen lepers, we must tell the world, don't let them keep eating their own children. We must tell the world, we have the good news, that Jesus Christ paid for it all. We have the good news. Look, there's more. There's more. Verse 10 says this, And so they came and called unto the porter of the city, 
And they told him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tent as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto the servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, are they gone out of the camp and hid, them, uh, and hid themselves in the field, saying, When they came out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. Like, what are you going to do with that? I'll tell you what. They won't believe you. It's too good to be true. Jesus Christ paid the way. It's too good to be true. It can't be true. And you know what? You'll tell people about it. Like, listen here. Uh, I know you're really enjoying the dove's dung right now. But listen, just outside this gate, uh, there is a bounty for you. And all you have to do is just believe. That's all you got to do. Just believe. You have to believe that, and it's just like salvation. All you have to do is believe. And you know what? They're like, I'll tell you what. I don't believe it. I don't believe that's true. <laughs> I don't believe it's true. You know what? They won't believe you every time. But you know what? Don't give up. You know what? These lepers, they didn't give up. Like, listen, we're not giving up. Listen to me. So they're like probably banging at the gates. Listen, we're not making this stuff up. It's empty. They're all gone. <laughs> so, you know what? We have to tell them whether they believe us or not. Yes, it's too good to be true. It doesn't make sense why God would send His only begotten Son to pay for our sins. But we must tell them. We must tell them. Oh man, when we get to heaven, if we have kept our mouths shut in selfishness to save face so that people didn't think we were crazy, and we just like, "Mm, yep. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And you never said, listen, uh, you know, all you got to do is actually ask Jesus Christ in your heart. And you're on your way to heaven. And and it's like, uh, we have the good news. We have the good news. And it's right here. And we have to share it. We have to tell them. That's why, that's if, if, if I could put a hook in this. To reel you in, that's what it'll be. Tell them. When they don't listen, tell them again. When they think you're a fool, tell them again. Keep telling them. Tell them, tell them, tell them. You know what? Uh, We must, we must tell them. The last thing that Jesus told us to do was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, and that's, that's the one thing that, um, like I was saying at the beginning of this message, that uh, soul winning conference, you know, we have a mission conference, and I, I'm all for missions. I mean, I'm a missionary kid. I, I'm all for missions. But you know what? It separates us. Sometimes it separates us from the reality that we need to tell people I mean, so I was thinking, man, it's so great to think of like a soul winning conference because it puts us on, on us. It puts it on us, each and every one of us. We must tell. We must tell. 
Will you uh, all stand with your heads bowed, eyes closed?